some of my best friends in that video, and it's local pastors, and we are so excited about Love the Rock that is coming up on October 23rd. For you that are new, I want to kind of explain, because all month long we're going to be pushing that direction, and October 23rd, about eight years ago, a small group of us pastors locally got together, and we began uh, collaborating together because we had relationship on how we could best uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus in the Round Rock community. So we came up with the brand Love the Rock, and we began to talk about how this could happen. Well, with pastors, our bandwidth is only so uh, so far and, and time-wise, so we needed a project manager. And that's when uh got to know Jeff Johnson. Jeff is part of a ministry called ABBA, Austin Bridge Builders, Bridge Builders Alliance. And uh, we got in touch. And, and we had the first Love the Rock service day. It's a day where we just come and love on, on Round Rock. We did it on a Saturday morning. And we had about twelve to 1,400 people. And many of you were a part of that. Two years later, we did it again, uh, and we had about uh, 1,000 to 1,200 people uh, come. And the city actually won an award for the, what the church did. And just so that you can understand a little bit, 12 to 1,400 church church people coming together to love on the community. The next biggest volunteer day in all of Round Rock is 200 people with United Way. So that kind of lets you know uh, the mobilization of the body of Christ. So it came time. We were supposed to do it last October, but um, the COVID situation, we we delayed it until this October. And on October 23rd, that Saturday morning for about three hours, we the Big C Church is coming to love on Round Rock. And uh, here's what I want to ask of you. Uh, Central, you're always at the front of the line, and I appreciate that about you so much. So uh, we have the T-shirts here today. Uh, just You saw them when you came in, so I don't need to, to show it off too much. But uh, these are the Love the Rock shirts this year. They're not gray. We went with a blue. And uh, here's the deal. You can sign up. At the end of the message today, there's going to be a little tutorial on, on uh, uh, signing up. Here's what we discovered, though. Today, uh, the iPhone situation is not working. So if you have an iPhone. But this is what we're going to allow you to do. Uh, if you're going to sign up, and, and I've put uh, Central will be leading out with 300 people. I, I said that. And there's family-friendly so your kids can participate. If you're going to sign up, go ahead and take a shirt today, okay? Kathy and Terry will be out there. You can just get a shirt um, and be good for it, but just make sure you sign up because we need to make sure each of the projects are filled up. So uh, all month long, we're going to be pushing this. And I, I believe I believe this. With all the division, especially with the school board right now and these things in the community, our community needs to see the unification of the big C body of Christ in our community. Amen. And so we want to make sure as central we're out uh, leading in that area. 
And I wanted Jeff to come and hear from Jeff today. This is Jeff Johnson. He's married, got two kids, uh, got one in high school now, which is hard to believe. And uh, they're in in the band, marching band stuff. So you know what that's like uh, right now. So y'all give it up for Jeff Johnson. Appreciate right, you. Yeah, right. yeah, do we have other band parents here in the crowd? Who was who was whoops? Yeah. Anybody else out till twelve thirty this morning with the uh, competitions? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're we're uh, getting used to that. It, uh, I was I was telling somebody I work with that. Uh, you know, it used to be kind of end of Friday, you'd start to wind down, You're like, all right, going to walk into my weekend, and and that's just not true anymore. <laughs> About 5.30, you're like, we got to go gear up for football. In what city are we at? And then Saturday, at what time do we do this competition thing? And so it's definitely a season, and it reminds me, you know, that uh, for for all of us here, we have different, uh, different responsibilities and, and different things that we are focused and, and engaged with, and and I just want to point out, I mean, something you've heard already this morning, and it's such a, a blessing to hear from the stage this this reality that, you know, for, for most of my life, I've been either a pastor or at a place like Abba, which is mostly a pastoral uh, a job. And, and really, this time right here on this stage was the focus of my work week, that we were going to be leading a set, preaching a message, whatever. And what I realize is for most of you, that's just not true, that this isn't the focus of your work week. It's not the focus of your whole of a whole family week. This is a time set aside that you have said on top of all of the other things I'm responsible for, on top of all the other things that I focus on, on top of all the, all the other responsibilities that I carry and that I shoulder, I'm going to be here because I believe in being with God's people and hearing from God and submitting myself to, to the word of God. And I just want to say thank you. And it's my, my prayer that you would hear, not just from me, but really from God, because I'm going to be sharing with you a conversation that he and I have been having for about 18 months as just kind of been looking at what's what's been going on in our in our society really over these last 18 to 24 months and and kind of looking at at what is the body of Christ how do we respond in a time where it seems like almost every new thing that comes our way is trying to divide us it's trying to point out how different we are and trying to make us take sides on issues and on on realities in our world and and then figure out where do we land, and in the church that has been even causing division, and that that just that hurts my heart, uh, both my job and just my my personality, kind of who God has made me to be. I long for the unity of the church, and so uh, as we've been having that conversation, God pointed me to uh, a passage, uh, as He often does, as, as we talk. He He reminds me of His Word <laughs> that He has given us, where He's already said so many things to us. And, and really there's several passages where, where God talks about his church as his body, right? Where he uses that language to say, you are my body, one body. And it's all over the, the New Testament. We're going to be landing mostly in 1 Corinthians. So if you have a, a Bible and you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be there here in just a second. Uh, really we want to just kind of talk about we are one body even though we're different. And we're one body in order to display the unity of God and his church to our city. Right? So, so that we display God's love to those around us through our unity. And that's really kind of the, the two main parts that I want to get to today. And we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit more as we go through. But let's start here at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit 
We were all baptized into one body. That's key. We're going to be coming back to that later. We have been made one body, not just by our own choice, but by God's Spirit. Right? So this is people who have submitted themselves to Christ, who have recognized the need to repent, turn from our own sins, become underneath Him, and then His Spirit comes and makes us one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Now, I just want us to stop a little bit here because... There's so many times in Scripture that I just don't think we feel it the way that people felt it when they first read this. First off, this idea of being one together as a body of God was such a new concept that, that this was mind-blowing for people here. Like, some of their, some of them came out of pagan traditions where God had, gods had bodies, right? Like they, they had Zeus and all these different, uh, gods that had bodies. Like, oh, okay, like that. It's like, no, 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 not like that. The, the, the Jewish tradition, you were not a part of God. You could interact with God, but you were not a, like a part of him, like his, like his body. Like that was a way different concept. So whether you came from a pagan tradition or a Jewish tradition, as you're stepping into this new reality, like even that was pretty mind-blowing. Like we are all part of God somehow and part of each other. Like that was huge. And we don't need to step past that because I think it's actually huge to us today too if we really pressed into it. Because it carries a whole lot of implications that we're going to get to. But the second part of this is Jews, Greeks, slaves are free. Like he's calling out the people who didn't want to be part of the same body. All right. So there's a reason that Paul brings up these folks. It's because there was probably some division going on in this in this particular church. And it's probably some of these these segments that were having a hard time saying we're all part of the same body because they weren't. These are not people who normally would get along, who would come together, who would form a thing together. Only because of Christ could Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, be one. And again, he reminds us why. Because we were made to drink of one spirit. So let's keep going in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So here he jumps into this reality that as we connect with a group of people and we begin to interact with one another, what we're going to notice pretty quickly is we're not all the same. Have you guys noticed that even here? We're not all the same. We're different in, in sometimes pretty significant ways. And so as we interact every now and then, we might just have this feeling of like, you know what, I'm, I'm working with these folks or I'm, I'm, I'm in a small group with these folks or I'm, I'm in church with these people and community with these. And I just don't, I'm different. I don't feel the same. Maybe I should step out because I'm not like them. And so I should probably just maybe remove myself. And, and Paul is saying, no, we intentionally have different parts. Just because you're a part of the body and you're not the part maybe you want to be, or you're not the part that you see over here, doesn't mean you're not a necessary part of the body. Because the, the reason it is a functioning body is because it has many parts. But, but what he knows is what's true for all of us. There are times when we think, it would just be easier if I left. Or it would be more convenient for me, certainly, if I left. Maybe found a group that looked a little more like me. A little more like my part. Said the things that I kind of say, see the world the way that I see it. And, and we just have a tendency to do that. And that he brings up that reality, but then says, as we keep going, press in. Because we won't be a body unless we have these different parts. Let's keep going, though. 
Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Hear that again. Who arranged the body? God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. But this is part of God's hand at work to put these different pieces together into one body. And he goes forward. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So let's go on in verse 21. It says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. So the tables turn here a little bit, right? Last time it was, I'm in a group and I recognize maybe not everybody's like me, so I should find a new group. Sometimes you enter groups and you realize, boy, that person's not like the rest of us. Maybe they should find a new group. Right? It gets a little bit on the opposite feet. It's like, you know what? You, you aren't sounding like the rest of us. You should maybe go somewhere else. Maybe find a different body to be a part of. It would be better for all of us, I think, if you just found a different group. Right? And so Paul's recognizing, he's highlighting both realities here. Sometimes we are, we are tempted to just pull out because it would be easier for us. Sometimes we encourage other people to move on because it would also be easier for us. But what he's saying is we're all one body. And so even though we're going to come up against these times where we feel the need to remove or we feel this pressure to push away, neither of those is a response that God in his spirit wants us to take. So what does it look like then to form this healthy body? He's going to go on here and give us a different way of looking at it. He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Now, we can get into all the kind of like physical metaphors here, but think about this. Think about, and I, this probably doesn't apply here, okay? But just think bigger picture, Big C Church. As you think about the people that are just less honorable, maybe the people who shouldn't speak up so quickly in a group, maybe the people who the way they live or act or, or process, it actually does cause people to see God in a bad light. Like they're just dishonorable people, still believers, still part of our body, but but they're hard to get along with. And they're difficult to talk to. And sometimes they say things that are messy. What does he say that we do with them? We bestow on them greater honor. We clothe them with honor. Like what a different response than a lot of times I have to messy people in my life. Where I want to push them to the side or quiet their voice. But the idea of clothing them with honor. Coming alongside of them in an honoring way covering maybe even over some of the hard parts or the messy parts that are public. But submitting and sacrificing myself to this part of the body that needs greater honor given to it. He tells us it's a little different in his body whenever we find ourselves at these disagreements. So let's keep going. We're going to close out this passage here. It says, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. And how do we know if we're doing that? Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. He gives us this piece right at the end. How do you know if you're being one body? Well, here's a question. Is anyone suffering alone in your body? Because if so, then we're missing it. 
And on the same note, is somebody rejoicing alone in your body? Is it hard? Like, is it hard to suffer and feel like you still have a place when you come together with God's people? Like, do you feel like you can't bring the, the true difficulties, like the questions you have, like the things that, that like when you're, when you're really honest with yourself, maybe you're home, you're alone, or you're trying to sleep in camps, or you're driving to work, whatever it is, those thoughts, and you're like, man, I couldn't say that around my Christian friends because they, I, it just wouldn't be acceptable. I couldn't let them know that I'm struggling with this. I couldn't ask this question. I couldn't tell them that this is how I feel about this topic. I just couldn't do it because I'm not sure they would let me stay. I'm not sure I would fit. Right? Maybe the same side. Maybe your life is going incredibly right now and you're rejoicing. But you almost feel guilty. It's like, man, so many people are having it so hard. I don't even know how to rejoice with my friends. I don't want to seem like I'm bragging, but I want to give honor to God. And I'd love for someone to come alongside of me and say, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you and actually mean it. And so what does it look like to live in this community, in this body, where when one suffers, we all suffer together. When one rejoices, we all rejoice together. And I just want us to kind of process on that a little bit today and to, to, to really wrestle with this idea that God, through his spirit, put us into one body, different parts all together. And to think about that maybe a little more deeply, because if you, maybe you guys again haven't been here, but, but if you've been like me, then there have been those times where you've really wondered. And I've actually heard people say this this last year and a half, a statement that goes something like this. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a part of God's body if you voted this way. You can't be a part of God's body if you act this way towards our current COVID situation. Just can't be. You can't be a part of God's body if you don't agree with with what I believe about what it looks like to create reconciliation in our country. Like you, we make these big statements of like you can't be a Christian if certainly you and I couldn't be a part of the same body. If you feel that way and I feel this way, one of us has to be outside of this because we can't be part of the same body. That's the the, the sense that has been going around our community, and those words have even come out in certain circles. It just hurts my heart, but as I was wrestling with it, I'm like, God, I kind of get it. How can things that opposite be part of the same body? How can, how can ideas or actions or words that separate or seemingly different be a part of one body? And as he pressed me into this, this, this idea of the body at the same time, and I'm going to apologize right here for anyone who's kind of a science-based person, like you spent years of your life like studying it. I'm a business school guy, okay? So I went to business school. We had to take science. But literally on the class it said science for business majors, right? So it wasn't even real science. It was just, it was, it, it covered the thing, okay? But my wife has been getting her nursing degree. She spends a lot of time in Round Rock uh, getting her nursing degree. And so I've watched her do science. And, and, and while she was going through her classes, I was struggling with this. And she would talk to me about some of the things about the human body and what's going on. And God started to speak to me through this. And, and what was really fascinating was this phase, that our, our human body is not just made up of different parts, but seemingly hostile parts. I just want you to think about that for a little bit. We'll just take a couple of them here. Let's just take some of the main systems, like say your, your, your respiratory system. Like it is all about 
gas, like air, right? Oxygen in, CO2 out. Like that's what it lives. It loves it. It loves it. You know what it hates? Like liquid, right? To, to your lungs, to your respiratory system, liquid is, is death. Like that's been real for us this last year and a half, right? Like, I mean, that's one of the things is like if you get pneumonia, you get like it's serious stuff. Now, let's just jump like literally an inch further in. You get to your heart, which kind of drives this whole circulatory system. You know what happens if you put a whole lot of, of, of air into your circulatory system? That's also death. It loves liquid, lives on it, pumps it the whole time. You can almost hear those two groups. If they were just, say, imagine those two things lived in the same body, right? Like a set of lungs that lived on air and a, a heart and system that lived on liquid. And we're talking about one another. Like, man, all that heart does is talk about liquid. It's trying to kill me. Literally trying to kill me. Like, just wanted to flood me with all this liquid. So the lungs and the, and the, the heart's like, man, those guys, they just, they, they just live in death. They love it. You can just see them just breathing all the time, just sucking all this air, spinning all this like, and they act like it's right, right? They, they act like it's good. And it's obviously the exact opposite way that we're supposed to live, right? And then you've got like your digestive system down here that if it touches either of them, you die, right? Like it, it has to be separate. And they're both like, yeah, that guy's just nasty, like literal <laughs> nastiness. He just eats everything and just erodes it like, and so you think about this. This is our body. And what do we know? Not just that these pieces are, are there and we just have to, to make do. No, they're required. I want you to process that. It's required that they're there for us to exist and to function the way God wanted us to. That's where he pressed me. Because, you know, I tend to be a pretty forgiving person. I, I'm pretty laid back. I'm, I'm pretty good at just, I don't get offended easily. So when people bring, like, wild or different ideas, I'm like, all right, you know, I want to offer grace offer forgiveness. But here's what I'll do if I'm just honest. I'll also kind of relegate them, right? Like you're here, you're part of the body. I've got to love you, but I don't have to listen to you, right? I've got to, I've got to forgive you, but I don't have to be formed by you. But what God was challenging me here with was not just I have to listen to you, I have to, to, to forgive you. I, I like, I need to see part of who he is and who you are. And he challenged me with this question, that I want to give to you. It says this, when I'm faced with a seemingly hostile member of God's body, ask this, what would cause someone made in God's image, indwelled by God's spirit, and expressing God's character to say or do something like that? See, that challenged me a little bit more. So if I say this person who is literally, in my eyes, on the other side of a, of a topic or a behavior or a word, whatever, Again, I'm not talking about like how we view Jesus here. Like I'm not talking about they're on the other side of how we receive forgiveness and how we experience relationship with God. Like this has nothing to do with, with being separated from the fact that, that like Christ came to die for us, forgive us, and connect us to God. This is like what medicine should I take, right? Like if, if that kind of thing, it seems like we're just so, how did I vote this last November, right? Like we're on the opposite side of these kind of things. And he said, your job is to see how I am expressed in that person, to ask them, how did you come to that decision? What was it about God? What was it about God in you that caused you to do or say that thing? I'm not, I'm not really interested, honestly, in the, the decision, like how you voted or how you COVIDed or how you any of that. But I want to know, like, what was it about God and him and you that made you 
say that or do that or think that. Because that's what I need to know. I need to see. And, and this was something that God taught me long ago that I've not uh, remembered as well as I should probably uh, through marriage. So, again, I don't know. I got married what I now consider to be way too young at 21 years old. Um, as Mark said, I've got a 16-year-old now, and I can't, you know, five years him getting married. I'm like, God, we've got some, like, we got some work to do if that's going to happen in five years. And then I'm, I'm okay. And so I was probably too young. He definitely seems too young uh, to even be thinking about that. But, but here's what I know is, thankfully, you know, uh, it was true. Opposites attracted. Uh, but my wife and I were, were united on one thing, which has been really good for us, and that is this, that, that much like God says about our, our body as a church, that we were committed to him and, and the idea that, that our lives are submitted to him, which is what he says about his body, that we live underneath one head who is Christ. Right? And so in submission to him, we could go through seasons where even when we didn't like one another, we were still committed to God. And so we would still keep showing up uh, to, to this thing called marriage and figuring out what he was going to teach us through it really is what happened many, many years. And so early on in there, one of the first things that, that came up was this idea of of the need for forgiveness. Apparently, a few days in, I did something that upset my wife, right? And so, you know, okay, I get it. Like, I, I own that. And I said, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And what did she say? Yes, I'll forgive you. And in my mind, we were done. Awesome. Forgiveness completed. Let's keep going. Some of you guys got there faster than I did because it was probably it was probably eight years later when we're having like a full on fight about forgiveness. Right. Like like a fight about forgiveness is what was happening, because I'm like, you don't know how to forgive like east to the west. So you forget what happened. How are you telling me eight years of pain? I'm like, but you forgave me for that. How are you still remembering it? And so we're like going off here and I'm like, forgiveness. And she's like, we can't be reconciled. And, and the short version of this is, is this, that we were on two different sides, seemingly, of this idea of forgiveness. But what I, what I learned and what we both realized was we were both expressing part of God's heart. We were just seeing it from two different ways. But when we could come together, I helped my wife understand that you can forgive somebody who never changes. You know how freeing that is? To be able to let go of the bitterness, to just let go of the need to get back at someone, even though they never change, even though they never admit they were wrong, they never say anything, they never own up to it, right? And you can just forgive, and you can be done and not have to carry that weight, which is an incredible blessing. But she helped me recognize that reconciliation is a different process from forgiveness, and it requires repentance. It requires two people. And that has been so beautiful because I've been able to understand what it means to actually build meaningful relationship with someone that you have hurt deeply. And it requires work and change and repentance. And so understanding forgiveness and reconciliation as these two beautiful parts of kind of that same coin has made us given us a deeper expression of who God is. The same thing was true with us with understanding mercy and justice. I'm quick to say when someone does something uh, that does something that kind of impacts or offends, say, you know what, give them mercy. Like hurt people hurt people, right? Like so just give them mercy. And, and my wife is like ready to just take them out, right? Just take them out. Like did you see what they did? 
to this person. Like it's, I've seen it at, at school as she's going through her college, as students maybe get treated bad, or even people in the workplaces she's been where she just sees people treated poorly. Like she is ready to act. And for so many years, I just said, you're just angry, right? Which is another thing I had to ask for forgiveness for later, because like that was not the, 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 was not the right response. Um, but what I came to see was like, no, she just feels the same towards injustice as, guess what? God does. When you read the scripture and you hear how he talks, like when he says things like, woe to you who do these things, I mean, have you read through the Psalms? Like some of that language is not allowed in church. Like the things God talks about doing to people, and that's his heart for justice. And so mercy is a part of God's heart. Justice is a part of God's heart. And I more fully understood him as I pressed in to understand my wife. She more fully understood God as she pressed in to understand me. And what I'm saying is, guys, when we find ourselves face-to-face with parts of the body who seem opposite, maybe even hostile to the way that you believe and think, ask yourself this question, God, what am I supposed to learn from this about you? I don't really care about the politics or the medicine or the, the, the stuff that, that is created and rose to the top, but what is it I'm supposed to learn about you, God, from this person? And asking those questions and pressing in and having that hard conversation between two people to find out more about who God is. And in that humility, we realize what it looks like to work together. And so what makes this possible? You know, similar to our human body, the reason that your heart and lungs all function, your digestive, all these other crazy systems that, that would seem to be at war with each other. It's not because they figured each other out. It's because they all listen to the same brain. And it keeps them all functioning. And for us, Ephesians tells us, we all submit to the same head who is Christ. So we're not going to find unity just by trying to figure out somebody else, honestly. The first step is by aligning with Christ and our humility to him. But then, again, what did he say here? All throughout this, it's the spirit of God that we've been baptized with. It's the spirit of God that we've been given towards unity. Again, this is where the science might get a little bit fishy. But there are these really incredible things that allow your lungs to connect to your bloodstream in such a way that you don't die from getting too much water in your lungs, but you also don't die because you don't have any oxygen in your blood. It's this beautiful little marriage where they come together and then they come back out. Same with your digestive system, where you get the nutrients you need, but you don't get flooded with all the bad stuff that you don't need in your, in your blood. And so, so as we were going through, I was like, that is the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. It is this amazing part of who God is that allows us to connect with each other, even when we are so different. But to come alongside and connect and give life to one another. We're not going to be the same on the outside. The lungs don't become the heart. The heart don't become the lungs. Like, it doesn't work that way. We're still very different. But we can come together and bring life because we are submitted to God and we're working in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? Well, here's one way to test it. Can you, can you go have a life-giving conversation with someone who thinks differently than you do about something important? If so, then the Holy Spirit is active in your life. You didn't do that. God did that. And that's awesome. And so as we look forward, what does it look like to have a healthy body? And this is the last thing I want to just kind of cover to you guys. It's just been kind of on my heart these last 18 months too, is this, that there's a very big difference between being not sick and being healthy. We've had a whole lot of conversations around our country about being not sick. Almost all of them in, 
in the uh, realm of actual physical sickness. But the reality is we've been having conversations about being not sick uh, with our uh, ethnicities and not sick with our, our relationships and not sick with our businesses and, and just not sick. And so, so what does that look like? I mean, in a, in a physical sense, it might be something like, like literal things like, hey, I, want, I should wear a mask. I should take certain medicine or get shots or whatever because I, I want to be not sick. I mean, not sick. But the reality is not sick only affects one little part of our life. If you want to actually get healthy, we should be talking about things like changing the way I eat, changing the way I exercise, changing the, the habits of my life that lead to healthiness. What about for a family? Not sick often just looks like avoiding conflict. Right, we got we got holidays coming up. Anybody else have this conversation on the way to like Thanksgiving? Like, can we just not get in a fight? Like, we're going to be there for three hours. Let's just have three hours of peace. All right. Just three hours of peace and we can leave. Everything's good. Right. And. And we all get it, like there's certain seasons of life where that's reality. But is that our goal? Just to not get in a fight when we're with our family? Or what does it look like to pursue unity, reconciliation, to bring life to this group of people? What about our business? Man, not sick just looks like putting out fires. Man, are we hemorrhaging money anywhere? Is somebody just like about to quit? Like do we have upset employees anywhere? Can we just like put out the fires, keep it all running, keep it all smooth? But, but healthy, it looks like continuing to increase efficiency, building momentum, increasing profits. Like a healthy company drives forward. It's not just concerned with keeping everything, putting out the fires. And then what does this look like for a church in the city? Like so many times we just get this feeling that if we could just peacefully coexist, right? And I get it. Like I ran for school board in Leander ISD. Like I've been close to school board issues for about a year and a half now, and it has been a mess, Across all of Williamson County, we're, we're all kind of sharing. And, and we think sometimes, like, man, if we, could just, if we could just not say the thing maybe that's in our heart and just to coexist, and it might be better, but is it really good? Like, is that, is that what we're really going for, is just to all be really angry at each other but just not say it because we're mature enough to not say what we feel? Or would we love to see what it looks like to build unity and create a thriving community? where we actually all start working together against the legitimately hard issues we are facing, right? We have difficult things in front of us as cities if we're going to see all of us thrive. So what does it look like to tackle those together? And that is the beauty of what God has been doing for so long in this community. And Central Baptist, you guys have been at the heart of that under your leadership with Mark, now the elders and the staff, and so many of you who over the years have been participating in the hard work of unity. You know, there's people that gather when the pastors all gather that have very different ideas about how we should vote, how we should COVID, how we should connect to the different parts of the community, and yet manage to come together, submitted to God's leadership, and in love of the Spirit of God to say, we're going to serve together to show the love of God to our city, to show them that we can, we can think all of these things and believe all these ways and yet be one body because we're trying to walk through this messy world and display God's love and we realize that he is very wide and is so able to connect and speak to each person. And so many good things have come out of that. I'll leave you with one that just happened recently. And it says that, that I was invited into a meeting at the city. I meet with city uh, officials pretty regularly. 
through Love the Rock. That is not normal. I don't meet with city officials in Austin. I don't meet with city officials in Cedar Park. I don't meet with city officials in Georgetown. Um, and, and so Round Rock is pretty, pretty rare for us. And so we got invited into this meeting. Uh, the city was myself and another couple pastors. Uh, Benito, who is on here, who we call Hollywood, which should be pretty obvious if you saw him. Like he's just he's so good on camera. I'm like man, uh, but he's sitting there, and and we're all sitting down, and and the city basically brings us this idea. They're like, hey, we've loved love the rock, but here's the thing: sometimes families need some resources. And like we've actually had some resources given to us, but the city can't just write checks to people. Like, we love your heart. We love what the church is doing to help serve people. But we'd love to be able to even bring a little bit more money to the side. And we have some money, but we need a way to give it to people. So we want to form a nonprofit. Here's the problem. They're like, the city can run it. Like, we can put our, our, our time into it with all of our staff. But we can't be on the board. Like, we can do the work, but we can't be on the board. We need someone else to sit on the board. Will you, the church, sit on the board to help us figure out where the money should go and who we should give it to? And so we're sitting there and we're waiting for the catch, right? We're waiting for the, ha, gotcha, you know, uh, because it's like, okay, you're, you're wanting us to sit and pray and, and, and just say, yes, we can send money to help people in need in the community. Um, it, and they're like, yeah, that's all we need you to do. Like, okay, I think yes. Like, I think yes is the answer that we're going to give. And here's what I want you to know. That is not a conversation that's happening everywhere where the city comes to the church and says, will you help us figure out how to get the resources to people in need uh, so that we can better love on our, our community? And that is, that is your work. That is love the rock, right? It is more than just three hours of cutting grass and fixing a garden at a school and painting a place or spreading mulch. Like it speaks to your city. It speaks to your city about the heart of God through the people of God for this community and it creates lasting fruit it's more than what happens in that three hours in that one home or that one school or that one park the 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 gist of it all moves the needle in this city a little closer to God and his kingdom and his heart for this community and so I I just want to say good job Central Baptist Church I, I speak well of you whenever we speak around this city. And I'm so thankful for how you lead out and serve. And I just want to pray for us uh, as we close this morning that we would continue to step into those hard places of unity and that we might be faithful to build a healthy city in God's image.